Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. Hey there, Central Christian Church. Uh, my name is Kellen Anderson. I'm the campus pastor of Central Christian Church in Janesville. I want to thank you for joining us online this weekend. Hope you guys are all doing well. Most likely, you've probably felt some amount of hurt and sadness as you've been hearing the news of what's taking place in the city of Minneapolis this week. That place, to me, it's like a second home, and there's no way of putting it any lighter than this. My heart has been absolutely troubled by what's gone on there this week. The world lost a precious person in George Floyd, and now the city and the country is trying to cope with the ramifications of it all. And our lead pastor, David Clark, and one of our teaching pastors, Ray McElroy, got together to help us process through this difficult time that we're all witnessing. I'm really grateful for their leadership. Here they are. Hey, you guys. Um, I'm, I'm grateful you're joining us uh, this weekend. Uh, but before we could get uh, to one announcement, uh, one song, one aspect of worship, we have to uh, address some uh, ugliness that has occurred um, in our country this week, and it is just uh, devastating. And um, But... Um, Sadly, it's real, but uh, Ray, uh, my brother, and I are co-laborers in this church together teaching. I uh, want to pray over the situation. want to pray over you. We uh, serve a church that um, has Hispanic people, African-American people, uh, white people, and uh, we are all broken uh, by this. And... So I'm going to ask uh, Ray to share his heart, and then he's going to pray, and then I'll share some of my heart, and I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to pray. I am going to pray. Uh, and, and then we're going to get into worship, um, launch into worship from these prayers for healing and help. And I'll, I'll just be straight with you. As a lead pastor here, I want to do more than pray. I want God to give me discernment so I can see a plan. This has been a church on the forefront for years and years of trying to tear down racial barriers and come against hate. And um, I want a new plan. And um, so we'll start with prayer and then just count on it. We'll be looking for your help. We'll be looking for action to take in the hands of God to make our world different and our world needs to be different. Ray, if you want to just speak from your heart a second. Yeah, Dave, I'm really honored to just be able to address our people with you side by side. Um, this is the picture of what we want our world to look like is different people from different backgrounds, you know, to be able to stand together and come together in love uh, under our God in heaven. And it's unfortunate that, you know, in 2020, here we are, we're still mm. dealing with some of the same issues um, that we've dealt with years and years ago. Um, things are better, but they're nowhere near where they need to be. And uh, as an African-American man, uh, when I look at what happened to uh, George Floyd and I, 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 my heart breaks for his family, um, but I think that could have easily been me. Mm. That could have easily been my son. That could yeah. have easily been one of my young men who I mentor in the city of Chicago. And, and so um, 
I'm angry, I'm hurt, but I'm encouraged that I had the opportunity to stand with you, my brother, and mm. address this and challenge our people. Guys, we, we gotta do better. Mm. Um, God's not pleased with this, uh, but I know even in the ugly, the Bible says that God has the ability to cause all things to work together for good. Mm. And so thank you for your leadership, Dave. And as we take this before the Lord, um, we will be, and we want you guys to really be praying with us about what are some practical next steps uh, that make sense for us to move this conversation forward, uh, move this agenda forward to a better rec uh, racial reconciliation. Will you pray with me? Yeah. Father, in, in the name of Jesus, God, we just cry out to you right now. Father God, for the pain and the hurt that's going on in our world. God, uh, hate is not the answer. Revenge is not the answer. God, love yes, is the answer. We know that love, your word says, covers an entire multitude of sin. Mm -hmm. And so God, would you speak to us? Would you speak to our hearts, God, uh, how we can, as a united people, Father God, uh, push your agenda forward? Uh, what are the things that we can begin to do to bring all of us together, um, all people from all walks of life, all different creeds, colors, nationalities? Father God, how can we come together and squelch this hate, squelch this bitterness, uh, squelch this divide? There are so many more things that unite us than divide us, God. And so I pray you help us um, to figure out what that looks like for us as a church and as a people. We're leaning and depending on you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. And it is in Jesus' name. Our, our Lord Jesus is uh, the only hope we've got. That's why we're going to transition, right, uh, from this prayer time into worship, because as we call on the name of the Lord, he'll give us ideas. And I'll tell you the first step. Uh, our executive pastor, Eric, Ray and I will get together with one of our elders who's African-American, Cecil Youngblood, uh, Bishop Wiles, who leads our inner city ministry that's predominantly African-American, and we'll brainstorm, and we'll plan, and we'll pray, and we'll cry out to the Lord, and we'll want Him to speak into us and through us, but we want to plan um, to work toward uh, a better world, a world that is more rid of of hate and hurt. And we believe that our Jesus is a healer and uh, he's the only answer. I remember a, a friend of mine who's African-American, an adult man um, with kids and grandkids. He was willing to take my son, Wilkie, who is a kid of color, um, alongside him and talk to him about what it's like to grow up um, as a teenager of color in America and what do you got to be careful about and and I think it's, I was grateful for that, but by the same token, I didn't have to have a talk with my Josh and Jake, my biological boys, about what it's like to grow up white in America. And, um, but I know that God knows. He knows the way through this. And I'm going to pray for some broken a broken family. I can't imagine their grief as I've been appalled and disgusted by what I've seen on TV, not just this instant, but other preceding instances. Um, I, I've, you know, what if that was my son, my one of my white sons, or uh, my black son? Um, 
And you know what? That young man named George, he was made in the image of God. And um, so our God is going to help us find a way. But right now, uh, we're going to start with prayer. Would you bow with me, please? Our Father, um, you, 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 your heart must be so wrecked. This was not your idea. This was not your plan. This, I mean, I mean, you laid it out pretty early on with your people that stuff like this was not to happen. Zero tolerance. It's, and so we ask that you be healer. You say that's one of your names, God the healer. And would you be a strong healing presence for this family and the friends of this young man named George, made in your image? This family is grieving. The friends are grieving. Would you, would you join them in their grief? And, and there's a lot of pent-up anger and frustration. I mean, um, I, I'm, I'm sure you're ticked off, God. I mean, you sent your son Jesus to defeat the work of Satan. Yeah. And Lord Jesus, we need you. Please exert yourself. Would you please use our church? We're asking you now, would you give us a plan? What role can we play, Lord? Uh, not just as a corporate body, but as individuals to make this, help get this world right. We believe you, Jesus, are the light of the world. And we believe you've called us to be light and to shine your love and your goodness into the dark places. And so we, we, we just cry out to you, Lord. I, I don't know what to do. I haven't got an idea, but I believe as I turn my heart to you, you will direct me and you, you will clear a path and we can make a difference in our part of the world. And so we say, as we cry out to you for people who are hurting and angry and just feel like this is so unfair, and that you would be ministering with angels, Lord. Just as you sent angels to minister to your son Jesus when um, he was really going through a hard emotional time, we just send angels to meet every deep need. And, and Lord, let your church shine. Help us to know the next right step to get this world wrecked and ruined and a mess that it is to take it one step forward, forward into your light. We love you, Lord. We need you, Lord. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to transition right now into the first part of our message. Ray McElroy is preaching uh, the second part in our Unshakable series that we're in. And let me get started by just telling you something that happened to me this spring. By now, if you've heard me talk much at all, you probably know I enjoy running. And this spring, there was a new portion of the Ice Age Trail that was added on about a mile away from my house. And so I went out for a few shorter runs early in the spring. And because I wasn't trying to run real far, I got out to this new part of the trail. And it goes up this hill. And in not too long after the hill, there's this pretty big corner, goes around a corner. And uh, so like first two or three times I ran this trail this spring, I got to this corner and it was time to turn around. And so I get home and I'm telling my wife, man, there's this, this new part of the trail and it's, it's really nice, beautiful trail to run on. And honestly, I, I'd only seen like a third of the mile of that trail, but I liked it. And so then probably about the fourth time running on this new trail, 
I went just a little further than the times before. I got past the corner that I'd been turning around at. And then about 200 yards further, there's another corner. And as I turned that second corner, I was amazed. Uh, I, I immediately was kicking myself for not having run that far onto the trail the first few times I'd run there. It was 10 times more gorgeous than what I'd already seen. Uh, there was some elevation to this new scene. Uh, there was this cool fence where the side of the trail kind of dropped off and there's this cool fence there and, and the forest that was there. It, it's the closest thing I think I've seen in Janesville to looking like my hometown in the North Woods. It was just awesome. And it's that spark of the divine that you see in nature sometimes that makes your heart filled with this desire to worship your creator. Ray's gonna be talking about worship, but he's also gonna be talking about worry. And sometimes I think we find ourselves worrying not because the troubles in life are so big. We find ourselves worrying because we've stopped short and haven't turned the next corner where we see the presence of God in a new and powerful way. There's nothing in this world that would keep us from worship. There's no worry that's too big as long as we're running far enough to encounter the awesome magnitude of God's goodness in our lives. Let's let Ray talk to us more about worshiping God in the face of worry. This weekend, I want to dive into what it looks like for us to worship through worry, to worship through worry. And today we're going to start off our time. Uh, we find Jesus sharing to a multitude of people from an excerpt of his Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount, everybody, was the most famous sermon that Jesus ever gave and, and perhaps the most famous sermon ever given by anyone. It was also, everybody, Jesus's longest sermon that he ever gave as it takes up all of chapter five, six, and seven of the book of Matthew. Now, when I researched that, I thought, you know, Jesus preached a real long sermon and, you know, if he could go two and three hours in a row preaching without a bathroom break, I should be able to preach at least 55 minutes straight to y'all. I'm just joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Don't click me off, please. I'm just, just joking. But in the middle of uh, this Sermon on the Mount, everybody, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, he says, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. I'm going to say it again. Matthew 6, 25 says, Jesus said, not Pastor Dave said, not Pastor Ray said, not Donald Trump said, Jesus said. This is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Somebody say worry. That word worry, everybody, in the Greek literally is the marinado. It's the marinado. And, and that word uh, worry literally means to be anxious about. That word worry literally means to care. That word worry, everybody, literally means to take thought. And what Jesus is communicating is, listen, I don't want you to be anxious about everyday life. I don't want you to care about your everyday life. I don't want you to take thought on your everyday life. Now, is Jesus saying that I don't want you to be concerned? I don't want you to ever think about your problems or anything like that. That's not what he's saying. But what he is saying is, I don't want you to be so anxious and care about that so much and take so many thoughts about your issues or your problems that you're paralyzed from being productive. So he says, listen, uh, I don't want you to worry, uh, to be anxious, to care, to take thought. He goes on to say, whether you have enough to, uh, food to drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't your life more than food and your body more than clothing? 
He says, look at the birds of the, of the air. They, 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 don't, they don't store in barns. Or they don't plant. They don't harvest. Uh, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Look at verse 27. This is amazing. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? I want to illustrate for you guys what this looks like uh, when we worry too much. A lot of times we take things up into our lives because we're so worried about it. We take things like, uh, man, you know, do I do I have enough money? Am I going to be able to survive? Do I, am I going to get this COVID-19 virus because this thing is killing people? Man, am I enough? I mean, it, am I going to be enough for the people in my life? Uh, what about my career? I mean, I'm unemployed right now. I got all this stuff going on. Uh, uh, man, man, can I trust uh, oh my God, can I trust these people in my life? And I don't know if y'all can see this picture, but this is what our lives look like many times when we purposely take these thoughts and we ang and we just angst over them and, and we care too much. And everybody, uh, can, can I tell you, uh, uh, in order to successfully worry, and a lot of us are real good about worrying about things that we have absolutely no control over. In order for us to successfully worry, we got to willingly embrace these things in our life and have them there and keep them there and hold on to them. And, and, and look how crowded our life is. When we got all this stuff in our life, we don't have any room for anything else emotionally. I, I, I can't love my wife the way I want to love her because I'm worried about all this other stuff in my life. I can't embrace my kids in my life because I got all of this stuff, all this other stuff in my life. I, I really can't worship God. The way I can worship him in spirit and in truth, because I'm so preoccupied with all of this other stuff that's weighing me down. And Jesus is literally like, baby, look at what you're doing to yourself. You're overwhelming yourself with stuff that, quite honestly, you can't handle. You're willingly holding on. It's about to knock me down. You're willingly putting things into your life that literally don't fit and don't belong there. Ah, oh. yeah. It's to the point to where we fret over stuff. And Jesus says those things that we fret about won't add a single moment to our life. But can I tell you, everybody, actually the opposite is true. Those things may not add a single moment to our life, but they can certainly take from our life. You do know not only emotionally uh, does worry damage us, but it also can worry us, uh, damage us physically. You know, worry can cause health problems such as loss of appetite, an inability to sleep, um, poor job performance, everybody. And, and if worry persists, we can get into stuff like um, dizziness, uh, rapid heartbeat, fatigue, headaches, the inability to concentrate. Uh, irritability, muscle tension, nausea, nervous energy, shortness of breath, and everybody, it can get so bad to where if we continue to excessively worry, we can experience suppression of our immune system, short-term memory loss, heart attack. Worrying can even lead everybody to depression and suicidal thoughts. And so as you looked at this list, I wonder if any of this is familiar to you guys. Some of you guys, this may be literally looking right in the mirror as I laid a bunch of this stuff out for you. Everybody, can I tell you, the world has a way of uh, labeling these this thing called worry that Jesus talks about clinically. They, they have clinical labels 
for what excessive worry and anxiety looks like. I'll give you a few. Um, have you ever heard of generalized anxiety disorder or social anxiety, uh, panic disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder? How about PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder? And everybody, I want to be perfectly clear when I say this to you. Everybody, I'm not here to debate the scientific validity of these clinical terms. But what I am suggesting, however, is what if some of our issues that we're struggling with as it pertains to worry is less of a clinical issue and more of a spiritual issue? Can I say to you guys that Jesus uh, also has a small list of how he classifies what, what worry is. He has his labels. Uh, in Matthew 6, chapter 30, Jesus identifies worry as having a lack of faith. In Matthew 6, chapter 32, Jesus classifies worrying as us being an unbeliever. And again, I'm not here to debate the scientific validity of the clinical terms uh, of the world. I hope you hear that. But everybody, what I am suggesting, however, is, is it possible that a major struggle for you in worrying is less of a clinical issue and more of a spiritual issue? Verse 27 says, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And I will submit to you guys uh, that uh, it may not add to your life, as Jesus is saying, but evidence is showing that it definitely can take away. So how do we do that? Matthew 6.33 says that we got to seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. And everybody, if I can tell you a secret, if, if I can tell you a secret right now, everybody, uh, it is impossible to seek the Savior while we're staring at our circumstances. Yeah. And, and, and see, we seek Jesus. Why do we seek Jesus? We seek Jesus because he is our only hope. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And whoever believes that, you will live. And so whether our current situation be sickness or financial pain or, or, or personal pain, personal insecurities or an uncertain future, everybody, for those of us who are in Christ, no matter how bleak things may look right now, the happenings around you may have everyone else around you surprised, shocked and shaken up. But we can walk around sure and secure as long as we place all of our cares and concerns in the hands of the unshakable, unstoppable, incredible Jesus. And when we come back, I'll share with you exactly just how we can do that. The question, everybody, is how do we worship? We know what worship is. Now, now how do we worship? How do we minister? How do we render religious homage and serve God? I got three things for you really quickly. First, uh, true worship must come from the redeemed heart of a person who has chosen to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of sin. I'm gonna say that again. True worship must come from the redeemed heart. Say redeemed, yeah. Of a person who has chosen to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of sin. And we talk about that word redeem. Redeem literally means to buy back. You do understand that because of original sin, um, our, our, our lives were literally purchased by the world and by the enemy. We sold our soul to, 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 to the world and to the enemy. And so Jesus had to come and do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. We couldn't work our way out of it. We couldn't earn our way out of it. We couldn't buy our way out of it. So Jesus literally had to purchase our freedom 
through his blood, when he sacrificed himself on the cross for our sin. And, and, and the fact that we embrace what Jesus did for us, knowing that there was no way out, we had no hope beside what Jesus did, that puts us in position to freely worship. And we can't freely worship until we fully embrace the price that Jesus paid for our sin. So that's how we worship, number one. But number two, true worship of God, everybody, comes from a heart that desires him alone. A heart that desires him alone. And let me make sure I'm clear on this. Am I saying that there ain't anything else that we can desire other than God? Absolutely not. That's not what I'm saying. Now, now some of the super saved people, you just heard that and you're like, oh my God, Pastor Ray, that's blasphemy. No, 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 no. Let me give you some Bible. I got some Bible for you. Look, uh, in Genesis, we run into the father of our faith, Abraham. And can I tell you something, everybody? Abraham, who God called his friend, had a major desire. His wife, Sarah, was unable to have children. And more than anything else in the world, Abraham wanted to have a son. This dude who had on the outside everything, he had money, a beautiful wife, servants, stocks, uh, allies. Uh, he, he had a great name in the land. All of this was incomplete in his mind if he didn't have a son to carry on his family name. And after decades of trusting and believing God, everybody, God gave Abraham his heart's desire. He gave him a son who Abraham named Isaac, only to years later have God show up and ask Abraham in Genesis chapter 22, verse 2. He says, take your son, he says, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will tell you. Literally, Abraham, take your son and kill him and offer him to me. Now, I need you to understand that it was less about Abraham and God requiring Abraham to sacrifice his son and kill his son Isaac. It was less about that. But I think it's interesting that Abraham, out of obedience to what God called him to do, said to his servants, they actually literally got to the mountain. And in Genesis chapter 2, verse 5, Abraham says, stay here while I and the boy go over there. He says, watch this. We will, what does it say? Worship. And then we'll come back to you. And here's what I'm submitting to you. Clearly, everybody, Abraham thought of his obedience in this matter as an act of adoration or worship. What am I saying? Yes, worship is about lifting your hands in the sanctuary, singing to God a new song. Yeah, but worship is not just about what we sing or about what we say, but it's also about what we show. See, we can say all day long and sing until the, until the cows come home how much I love Jesus, how I adore him, how I praise him. But when the rubber meets the road and it's time to take what we say and what we sing and show it when we got issues and drama and situations happening in our life, what does our life show? Is what we show consistent with what we say and what we sing? See, I told you, it was never about God desiring Abraham to kill his son Isaac. It was all about revealing who was Abraham's ultimate desire. And the question that I have for you guys this weekend is, is there anything in your possession that if God asked you for it, you would deny him because of your desire for it over him? Everybody, that, my friends, is true worship. It is a heart that desires him alone above everything else. 
that is above our careers, above our material possessions, above our money, above our health, above our families. That's worship. And finally, true worship is the desire to continue to build up our knowledge of God. True worship of God is the desire to continue to build up our knowledge of God. Everybody, uh, in Acts chapter 16, the Bible says that uh, the apostle Paul and Silas found themselves in a situation uh, where they were severely beaten, thrown into a dungeon, and their feet were clamped to the walls. And rather than stress out and worry and allow their minds to be preoccupied with the hopelessness of their situation, the Bible says in Acts chapter 16, verse 25, it says that at, at around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. And suddenly there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was what? Shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chairs and the chains of the prisoners fell off. Did you hear what I just said? Paul and Silas, everybody, instead of worrying about their situations, worshiped through their circumstances, and the very thing that had them weighed and chained down was shaken free. That's what happens when our knowledge of Jesus is ingrained within us that nothing else around us affects us. Because I said it before, it is impossible to worry about stuff when you're worshiping your Savior. There is literally no way you can focus on your provider and your problems at the same time because worshiping Jesus literally changes the atmosphere. And everybody, when we worship through worry, we demonstrate our confidence in an unshakable God to work through us and work for us what we are incapable of doing on our own. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.